Hope Talk, a PCM podcast. Welcome into another edition of Hope Talk. My name is Jared, hanging out with Brett. And today our special guest is a guy we get to work with on a regular basis, Ted. Uh, and one of the reasons, go ahead, you feel like you, it seems like you have one. I was just saying, like, yeah, we I've known Ted 15, 14 years now. And, Long time. Uh, you, I'm going on 10, I think. You performed the ceremony at my wedding. Yeah, um, yeah to do that. So you uh, cut the, the cord on my firstborn son. I did, I did, um, yeah. So. Is that what? No. <laughs> no, Jared, I was not like, real. It's like, what? <laughs> no. So I delivered just, his second. There you go, see? <laughs> yeah. we just, I, I'm trying to say that we, we know Ted yeah. very well. Ted is a man with a long resume. Uh, and one reason, actually, you have been in church ministry quite a bit over your lifetime. What is What are some of the jobs that you've had in ministry? Well, when you say that I have quite the resume, I've been blessed at only five churches only. in 24 years, um, which, you know, the average span yeah, of a life of a youth pastor at that time, which most of my ministry was youth pastor, uh, was only, you know, sometimes a year. Yeah. All the, and, really? And I never, I was, at, the, the least I was ever at a church was about two and a half years. L- let me ask you real quick before we just start, why is that such a mm-hmm. high turnover position? First of all, well, I mean, again, I'm speaking as a recovering youth pastor, um, but, uh, a lot of times, who who do you get to be the youth pastor? Young, exactly, young and yeah. they're not really ready, or they may be. None of us are really ready. I don't think I was ready for all of them, but the patience runs thin with some of the other people. <laughs> you bring in this young guy or girl, and you expect them to have the spiritual maturity of somebody that's been there twenty, of thirty a years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they're gonna. I'll talk about that in a few minutes, but they're gonna mess up. And I always said there was three things that would get a youth pastor fired quickest. Number one is improper um, use of money. If you, you know, don't don't take care of the money coming in for activities and events and things like that, if you misappropriate the church's funds and stuff, that'll get you fired. Number two was improper relationships with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could even, you could be innocent, totally innocent, yeah. but if you allowed yourself to get in that situation to where the accusation was made, yeah. then you've messed up. Um, which and, is and interesting because you weren't married when you first became a youth pastor. Right, right, right which, I was which not. Which is even weirder. Was not, yeah, it yeah. wasn't long. Most of my ministry I was married, Amy yeah. and I were married. Um, and then the third and final one that gets youth pastor fired most often is, and not a good relationship with your senior pastor. Yeah. Um, you know, most youth pastors get in there and they're they're young and they're they're on fire and they're ready to get things done, but they fail to remember they're under the authority of the senior pastor. Right. And the senior pastor is the one that's ultimately responsible for the church. The youth pastor is ultimately responsible for the student ministry, but the pastor is ultimate ultimately responsible for the youth ministry. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times there's a lot of a lot of ego issues and a lot of um, uh, just you know you have to teach a youth pastor. You have to train the pastor too, and yeah. work together. So, well, I've even seen a lot of times, and some of because I've been involved in ministry for a while, and a lot of times you even see the people that are good at it. It's almost like a stepping stone to get to the next position. Yeah, there, you know, I, when I was when I first got started in, in youth ministry, it wasn't you didn't be just a youth pastor. You had to be a youth and something else. Yeah. And so I went to school for youth and music. And that's where I found out real quickly that I was not a music pastor. Um, I got kicked out of the University of Louisville School of Music after three semesters because I loved to sing, but I hated music. I mean, the actual, my theory wasn't strong and I had to learn piano and all. I just wasn't for me. Um, And so I went recreation youth at that point, which is, I don't know why I didn't start that to begin with. (laughs) And, uh, And then I became a youth and associate pastor. 
these days, a lot of churches are blessed to be able to afford just a youth pastor. And in some cases, like the church that we're attending now, you have a high school and a middle school. Yeah. And, and, and an overall that, so. and a college. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, we're not just talking about youth pastors right. today. Um, one of the main things that uh, we asked you on here to talk about, really, I think as Jared alluded to earlier, uh, is just you know, um, being in church ministry particularly uh, is is pretty taxing. Um, you know, there's a lot of demands. Amen. Um, a lot of uh, well, it's also you know non-taxed or. Uh, but you know, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but uh, there's a lot of demands on your your time. Um, schedules are you know blurred uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, church ministry. Um, you know there's balancing egos, balancing relationships, balancing expectations. Um, and we hear so often about uh, ministers just being worn out, worn down. Um, Burnout is quick. Yeah. Burnout is real. Um, and, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the need of sabbaticals or if it's just, uh, you know, someone leaving the ministry, you hear about these things quite often. And so really we wanted to talk to you about how we as lay people, yeah. um, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, just uh, people mm-hmm. in a church congregation, um, how we can minister to our ministers sure. and how we can best serve them as they serve us and the congregation. At, um it's been a little while since I served on staff in official capacity, um, but uh, the la- one of the last churches I was at as a layperson, uh, they asked me to be on the uh, personnel team, and the church staff were like, "Yeah, Ted was a former youth, you know staff person himself, and so this is going to be gravy. He's going to hear everything that we have to say, and he's going to be supporting us." And and for the most part, that was true, but I was also pretty doggone tough on him too. Um, I, I'm a workaholic. I always have been. That's not always a good thing. Most of the time it's probably not. Um, and so I, I jumped in and I, I, st- I instated merit raises, not just yeah. cost of living raises and stuff like that. And, and I had some pretty high standards and uh, I was trying to be fair for the most part. But um, so everything that I, that I say on this podcast here is assuming that the church staff member is really trying to be faithful and right. successful in their ministry. Yeah, um, which there does need to be some intentionality. Yes, yeah. Um, probably there, there's when I thought about this and got my thoughts together to join you guys, there, there are four things. How can we love our church staff? The first one that I, I thought of was affirmation. And everybody loves affirmation in your jobs. You guys love it, Jared. You do too. When you know, when I come to you guys, say, "Man, that was a great break on the radio," right. or 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 may that man that uh, um, that J Radio playlist that we're playing right now, that new one, man, that is really awesome. You know, you love hearing those things, um, and so let those staff people know face to face. Let them know with handwritten notes or whatever your your communication style is, best way to do that. Um, inform them of their, you know, it's one thing to say, hey man, you did a good job today, you know, but really let them know of the positive impact that they're having on your family. Um, be realistic, be specific. That that helps out a lot. So, you know, like I know growing up, you know, the pastor waits at the back of the church and you shake his hand. Good sermon, sermon pastor, you good know, sermon. that type of stuff. But you're saying like, maybe give it a little bit to actually pull your thoughts together and do a well-informed heartfelt. I think uh, so. Thank you. More than just a good sermon today, pastor so-and-so. I I saved almost, and I don't know where they are now, they're somewhere in the house or the garage or the attic, but I saved almost every note or card that anybody ever gave me Mm -hmm. because there's times, I used to keep them in a manila folder in my desk drawer, my offices at church, and whenever those days when things haven't gone well or aren't going well or you're stressed out or whatever, you can go to that folder and you can pull those notes out mm-hmm. and read there. And and God just reminds you through that that 
you really are making an impact. And most people don't realize in, in ministry, children's ministry, student ministry, small group ministry, whatever, that it's not, it's not gourd farming. You can walk out right now and throw some gourd seeds. We we um, carved our pumpkins one year for uh, for Halloween, and and we I thought I threw everything in the garbage can, but apparently not all of it got in the garbage <laughs> can. Some of it fell on the ground beside it. And that spring, guess what? We had vines growing up the fence from that. It's not gourd farming. Ministry, student ministry, other ministry is sequoia farming. When you go plant an evergreen tree, you may never see the growth of that thing. Right. And that's how ministry is. The people that you're ministering to and impacting, you may not ever see. But it's those seeds. I can ask you guys, what, uh, what you all both had youth pastors growing up. What was your favorite youth pastor message or sermon that you ever heard them preach? Mine was been my senior year talking about what's next. Um so, but that's all I remember. Like, you don't remember the scripture passages. No, you don't remember the illustrations no. you used. Or anything I, like I that. just remember like feeling encouraged about going into college. You know, after that. But yeah. other than that, that's the only one that I can remember. Okay, Brett, what do you? Which youth pastor or or small group leader, whoever had the greatest impact on your life? Uh, Tommy Adams. Why? Um, just because he was my introduction into the youth, and he was fun. So, okay, yeah, I know. I know for me. I, there was this one message, and I vaguely remember it, but the only reason is because my youth pastor started mentoring me, and so we would meet one-on-one. We'd go out to lunch or all that kind of stuff, and he started – that was kind of his, like – he would do this at the first this one message. It's the first of every year because it was kind of the important – this is, as the person your age, the way you should live and the way you should act – and so even as we were meeting, he would kind of instill that same yeah, message, reinforcing, um, reinforcing that. And so that's why I remember it. But that's why I would say he had the greatest impact on me was the relationship. Yeah, exactly. You remember a whole lot more about that person exactly. and the impact he had on your life than you remember any sermon mm-hmm. or any Bible study. Yeah. And so I think if yeah. you let those those staff people know the difference that they're making, the impact they're making, as opposed to walking out the back door of the church, good pastor, good, good sermon pastor. Um, also, trust their judgment. Uh, that they and God's leading, allowing them to do their job. A lot of times, churches will hire a staff person again, specifically students, student ministry, and then they'll manage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like uh, I remember one church I worked for, um, and I really felt God was leading us to take a mission trip. They had never taken a mission trip before as a student ministry. They'd always done some of the evangelistic beach type trips and things. And oh my gosh, it was like, you know, pulling teeth to get that <laughs> yeah. done. And and I really felt strongly that's what God was telling us to do. But we've always done it this way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah famous last yeah. words of a Baptist church. Well, um, I, And I was Baptist, so I'm not yeah. slamming Baptist, so I am Baptist. Well, I know even in my ministry, uh, there was a lady who works in our children's ministry, and I was kind of overseeing the children's ministry at the time. And there were some things that I felt really strongly this is what God's calling us to and she bucked up against this just yeah. over and over. And finally, one time we sat down, she goes, I don't like what you're doing. And I said, well, I need you to do me a favor. I said, I truly feel that God wants us to be doing this. And ultimately, I'm responsible to God before yeah. I'm responsible to you. And I said, I really need you to just trust me on this. And I'll tell you, from the moment we sat down, that lady has been, uh, our relationship has been so much uh better because she's like okay i'm gonna trust you yeah and i'm gonna go with you and see how it goes and even as she started doing that she came back to me and she's like i see why you wanted to do that now i just didn't want to do it before so trusting them is important yeah 
His wife is now the children's pastor's church, so he won't be doing that anymore. (laughs) That's right. Um, Second thing I think is understand, and that's where you were talking a little bit earlier, Brett, about the demands on a church staff person are enormous. And I know it's easy to say we all have demands in our job if you don't work in a church. Um, But you got to remember this. On Saturdays and Sundays is your weekend. On Sundays, you get up, you go to church. It is a choice for you to go to church. Now, for staff people, it should be a choice, too. We should want to go, and we always, that's worship. So we're meeting together with everybody that we're ministering to. But if you get up one Sunday morning and you just don't feel like going, guess what? Church <laughs> staff <still> <laughs> person has to be there. Yeah. Um, and so the demands on a church staff person is, is under, so you have to understand that. Well, not even that, it's work yeah, as well. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, they're, you know, from personal testimony. Um, here's something else, too. Realize the scope of that what all that it takes emotionally, the weight that's on them. Um, I had people in one church that would walk up to me and they would hand me, or, or they would just see me in the hall and they'd say, hey man, uh, can you make sure you uh, you do this or you do that or you reach out to this person, that person? And I'm like, yeah, sure, definitely will. First of all, don't ever ask a staff person to do something on Sunday morning when you see them in the hallway. Yes. You know, email it or write it down or put it, slip it under the door or note their office door. And then because you have so much going and you're running in so many different directions, things slip through the crack, you don't do those. And so at one point I had people questioning my integrity. And it got so bad that um, the church personnel team at that time, they sent me to a counselor um, wow. to, to get an evaluation, a, psych- right. a psychology, you know, psychological evaluation. And the psychologist came back and he said, look, this man is has high integrity, old, you know, almost uber high integrity to a fault. He said he's not showing, expressing a lack of or demonstrating a lack of integrity. He's just overworked, and nobody can expect to remember all these different things. He also said that I was the hero of my own parade, but that's another uh, <laughs> another point there too. Um, most people don't understand the sacrifice. I can remember getting ready to head down to watch one of my kids playing a a soccer game involved. You know, it was about forty five minutes away. And we're like 15 minutes down the road, and the pastor called me and said, hey, I really need you to be at the deacon's meeting. I said, when? Tomorrow? No, this afternoon, here in about about an hour and a half. And so I should have just kept on going to the soccer game. Right. But instead, I made Amy turn around, take me home. She went mm-hmm. to the game by herself. I went to the deacon's meeting, and it really wasn't a deacon's meeting that I really needed to be at. Yeah. You know, So there's a lot, of, uh, um, a lot of sacrifice. You're always on call. Yeah. Um, you know, if a, if, if a child or if a student or or an adult or somebody uh, has an accident or gets in trouble or whatever, guess who they're calling? And that's what you're, you're there for, and that's right. what you're called to do. Um, but it's not a 9 to 5. As you mentioned, Sunday is a work day for you. Now you, it's hard. you got to balance worship and, and all of that. Um, and then respect their day off, evenings, yep. et cetera, because they work so much. I lived in a parsonage at one time, and I can't tell you how many times we had people knocking on the door, hey, can I have the keys to the gym? You know, and uh, I would, what would it be like if I went to their house? Right. Knocked on the door. Hey, man, can I have the keys to so-and-so? You know, yeah. it's just, uh, it just doesn't happen. Well, so, how, how much is it important to even understand the difference in emotional work versus physical work? Because I think that's something that I've found is there's kind of a spiritual battle going on. Sure. Every time that a minister gets up to whether it's speak to the youth group or uh, sit down with a couple or, you know, go to a hospital room, uh, can you speak a little bit to, I guess, that difference? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about spiritual warfare easy. Um, there was one night that we were actually going to start a series on spiritual warfare, and we were meeting on a Wednesday night there at church for Wednesday night supper, and we were eating. My family was fine, and then all of a sudden, 
right halfway through dinner, I think it was it was Chipper, he suddenly started getting sick. So you could tell he didn't feel good and everything. And so we checked his temperature, and it was like 103. And we are like, oh, my gosh. And so I'm getting ready to teach a Bible study, and Amy rushes him to the emergency room. And, you know, and there I am trying to teach while my wife and son right. are in You're the emergency in room yeah. and that type of stuff. You know, so, yeah, there's that. And that's that was no coincidence that that happened. That was the devil saying, no, I don't think I want you in your right mind and focused 100 percent teaching about how to beat me, teach your students <laughs> yeah. how to beat me. So well, I know even um, growing up, my dad was a pastor and he would say this and I didn't understand this at the time, but he would get done on Sunday. And every Sunday he said this, and it kind of became a joke, but he'd say, I'm tireder than I've ever been. And uh, even like when I started preaching, like when I I go and I preach two services at our church on Sunday mornings right Mm -hmm. now, I get done and I'm just, I'm drained because it's not just standing up and speaking for 30 minutes like you might think. It is fighting a war for 30 minutes. Yeah, and all the preparation and everything that yeah. goes into it. Um, I never was called to go to cemetery, seminary, um, and uh, um, you know, but they teach you that for every minute that you teach or preach, it's like an hour of preparation that goes in there. And so you think about it, if you're going to be speaking for 20 minutes, that's 20 plus hours of research and studying and praying and, and everything for that. So there's a lot more. Oh, yeah, all you do is work on Sunday, Pastor. Right. You know, it's so much more than that. Um, the next thing when, underneath understanding is realize that the church, the church isn't employing the staff member's family. You know, yeah. if, if, a, if a staff person's spouse wakes up one Sunday morning and doesn't feel like going to church, don't question their Christianity, <laughs> right. their salvation, yeah. you know, because people get tired and people get run down and, and people want to go visit in-laws and grandparents and mm-hmm. things like that. Now, staff person will be there unless it's their vacation time, but don't question, you know, the salvation of a church staff member's family just because they choose not to go to <laughs> this or participate in this right. or, or be on this committee or this whatever. Um, another thing is there's a lot of unrealistic expectations that, that the church and people put on staff people's kids, you know? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, his pastor, you know, he's our pastor's kids ought to be the most well-behaved and, and, and all that. It's like, no, not really, because they're probably not at home. The pastors aren't as home as much as you are to be there to disciple your kids. They should be able to balance that. There's, mm-hmm. I was terrible at that, at balancing that time off. Um, but there's a lot of unrealistic expectations that's put on staff members, kids. I can remember Trevor being chewed out one time by a, uh, uh, by an elder's wife because he was, throwing a ball in the, in the, the lobby hallway. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, you should know he's, he's a seven- or eight-year-old boy that plays right. soccer. What do you expect him to be yeah, doing? Yeah, exactly. You know? um, and then vacations and time off are priceless you know, for staff people because that is a time when they can hopefully truly unplug and mm-hmm. don't log into email and all that type of stuff. Get away. Um, you know, reward would be number three for me. Reward your staff people. Financial compensation, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, for years church and probably still to this day a lot of pastors are maybe listening to this you know will say that they're not the most well-paid people in the church and that's okay you know we know what we're when when god ordains us when we agree to be ordained and we know why we're doing it we're not doing it for financial you know um gain but Small gifts here or there, bonuses yeah. and things like that. As much as the church can afford, right. please do that. Well, I like what you um, said, too, about merit-based raises. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I've even seen over my time being on church staff, there are people who aren't really working hard, and, and you don't really have to reward that. And sometimes it's 
it's weird because give the whole church staff a raise. Yeah, and <laughs> and it's weird because you feel bad because it's still somebody that's working for God. But uh, I mean, really and truly, it's it's not a bad thing at all. How did you? Uh, I mean, was that ever something you struggled with as a tension, or was it like, oh, this is um, obvious? There, there was one church that I was on staff at, and uh, um, you know, for the longest time, churches were bad about everybody's salary was listed individually. And when you had that one meeting every year where you approved the church budget, everybody yep. could see how much everybody made and that type of stuff. And sometimes that's hard on your family because if your family suddenly sees this other person that is working and their salary is greater than yours, it's like, wait a minute, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. You know, I know how much time that, that my <laughs> husband or wife puts in yep. and, and not theirs. So uh, there were times that, and I remember one, one church I was at, they decided to lump all the salaries, and I'll kind of push for this, into one salary line. Mm-hmm. Now, if anybody in the church ever wanted to know because they're a church member, all they do is go to the church office and ask the secretary to show them, and, and she'd show them. It's open book. It's a church. Yeah. Um, but I was so grateful when they did that, when it's kind of put that there, because it took out the jealous and envy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, I never looked at what other staff pe- people meant. It wasn't my, right. it's not my right. place. That wasn't, wasn't my motivation. Well, I know when it comes to the rewards, the one thing that is kind of a caveat is just because I tithe at a church or I give money, doesn't mean that I pay your salary though, exactly. and that's one thing that you got to be careful of. Yeah, is it, you know reward them, but don't uh, hold that over their heads. When you're when you're a member of a church and you're giving your tithes and offerings, who are you giving it to? God. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. not giving it to the custodian. You're not giving those people. There's a church. I guarantee almost every church has a personnel team, and those are the people that have been nominated, voted on, whatever by the mm-hmm. church to do that. Let them do the job of holding the uh, the people accountable. Actually. The pastor, it depends on how the structure of your church is. There's some churches that elder run, some are pastor run, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, I don't, any church that's church member run as far as staff relationships and responsibilities, that's Ooh. a sticky subject yeah, yeah, right there. No doubt. My last one is uh, um, it's just to forgive. Uh, well, back back to the reward, you know, reward staff by assisting in their ministries. You know, there's so many ways you can assist a staff person, maybe not hands-on in the ministry, but other ways you can support them. Um, volunteer to to keep their kids so they can have a date night, you know, with their spouse. Anyway, forgive. Staff members are people too. Um, They're held to a higher standard because of what we agreed to do. But imagine having all of your friends follow you to your job and watch your every move and critique you. Um, They're going to fail. They're going to mess up. Forgive. And if it's your position, lovingly teach them and help them see how they can, can be better. Um, And they're, they're human. Even if they are set aside or ordained, even the disciples failed. Jesus forgave them, and he never stopped loving them. Do you have any examples of maybe a staff member, that, or not a staff member, a person that for you, you were like, this person just makes me feel, they, they minister to me probably more than I minister to them? Yeah, um, I can think of, oh goodness, name the church. Um, just There were several churches that I felt that way. Um, when I was on staff at Burning Bush Baptist Church, there was a um, Paul and Debbie Davis, mm-hmm. and they were that way. They loved on our kids. They uh, they made sure Amy was taken care of. They were there for me. They were some of my youth volunteers, and uh, and they were very very supportive. Um, in fact, they were one when God was leading me to go to South Seminole Baptist. Um, they were a couple that God laid on my heart to go and share first before I announced <laughs> yeah. the Sunday morning to the rest of the congregation. You know, at South Seminole, there were. 
goodness, there were several, Janelle Millard and uh, Ruth Tate and some of those that did the same thing. They were there for you and loved on you and cared for you. The Church Akatusa, Terry Lockwood and his wife, Gina, you know, there I, I could go on and on. I could list yeah. tons of, mm-hmm. of people that did that. I was blessed. I was blessed to have a lot of support. And the cool thing is, serving five different churches, I could go back to any one of those churches and be on staff for those churches. They would hopefully welcome me back. I think they yeah. would, and I could go back. So I never burned any bridges. I never got kicked out of any churches. I was blessed. You know. So now that you are on the other side, you're a congregant or a lay person, mm-hmm. uh, what are some things that you're like, I, I make sure, uh, you know, even at, at your church now, what are ways that you do those kind of things for yeah, your Yeah, well, the first thing is encouraging. Is just you know letting them pray for them. That's first. First, yeah. pray, pray yeah, for that's them. That's important. Make sure I pray for them. Encourage them. Uh, give them a bit of understanding. Um, you know, when you hear other people in the church critiquing or being a little negative, or when you start to go to lunch after church and they start eating the pastor, if you know what I mean, you right. know, chewing yeah. on the pastor, yep. you know, it's saying, well, you know what, you don't fully understand everything they've gone through, or have you thought about maybe look at it from their point of view or their vantage point? And so, just uh, um, empathy, I guess, is uh, I'm, I'm a whole lot more empathetic towards staff, people, and their families and things. Like that. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, Ted. So we expect to both be on your next podcast. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast.